This is Dr. Marty Peterson. I'm the Outreach Coordinator for the Antimicrobial Stewardship Project created by the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota. Today, I'm very pleased to be speaking with Professor Dilip Nathwani, the, the recent past president of the British Society for Antimicrobial Chemotherapy, otherwise known as BSAC, about a just-launched free open-access e-book titled Antimicrobial Stewardship from Principles to Practice. This is a seminal text, which was developed by BSAC in collaboration with the European Society of Clinical Microbiology and Infectious Diseases, their study group for antimicrobial stewardship, ESCAP. A little bit about Professor Nathwani before we begin to discuss this very important piece of work. Uh, Professor Nathwani is Honorary Professor of Infection at the University of Dundee, and he has been awarded the Order of the British Empire, OBE, for services related to the treatment of infectious diseases. So it shows how very much he is recognized for his efforts. He's served as chair of the Scottish National Antimicrobial Stewardship Program for nearly 10 years, between 2008 to 2017, and as a national specialty advisor for infectious diseases to the Scottish government health department. He has advised numerous government and WHO entities on antimicrobial stewardship. He has also authored more than 260 peer-reviewed publications, and the numbers continue to climb, and he has contributed extensively to national and international infection guidelines, as well as innovative educational resources. And he was one of the um, key components as president of BSAC to spearhead this e-book that we'll be discussing today. So with that, Dr. Nathwani, I'd like to welcome you. Thank you very much, Marnie. And again, it's a pleasure to be with you and speak with you, and thank you for the opportunity to share this uh, hopefully wonderful resource with colleagues around the world. So thank you for the opportunity. You're so welcome. This book was just launched, as I mentioned, and uh, we'll give you some information at the end, but it's available at the BSEC website and also on our SIDRAP website for those interested. Uh, so, Dr. Naswani, with the first question, just to get into the book, um, for those that are not aware, you, you mentioned in, in the, I mentioned in the introduction that you had many colleagues that you collaborated on the project, and this is uh, a very comprehensive, it's meant to be interactive and also free and open access. And it's meant to uh, guide not only an understanding of the principles surrounding stewardship, but also how the practice, the clinical practice of implementing stewardship. And just to let our listeners know how comprehensive it is, it actually contains 27 different chapters. So can you just describe a little bit about the vision behind the development of this textbook? Um, thank you so much. Um, and, and once again, uh, it's been a labor of love. Um, it took about two years in the making, but three to four years uh, in its uh, inception. Um, Mani, the vision was to create an e-book that complements existing literature, and there's a lot of that about, as well as many uh, participants on this um, webinar may be familiar with the massive open online course that we have developed in 2015 and now um, widely recognized globally uh, in four different uh, translations and in the region of more than uh, 46,000 people having participated in it. E-learning is an emerging and an important means of supporting the learning needs of our healthcare professional community. And you'll be aware as much as anybody else 
that amongst the newer generation of students and younger professionals, e-learning is quickly becoming a requirement to support learning. If you have children, as I do, um, you will recognize how they learn, how they uh, use that learning uh, in their daily activities as well as in their professional lives. And this is why I think e-learning is very important. I can give you some of the advantages of why we created an e-book. And for those of you who read uh, e-books when you're traveling to work or you're traveling on a long distance or on a plane, will recognize many of those advantages. It allows learners to use their books uh, and access learning material while they're mobile. This can be done at home, while they're in a public place, uh, or perhaps on a train or on a plane. And I think that makes it much more efficient uh, use of, of learning resource. Um, you recognize that it allows better use of time. It allows new ways of learning, new strategic ways of learning, which I try to outline in the way people increasingly learn. And on an immediate benefit, it's clearly a cost saving, not only in terms of the impact and the reach it has, but you do not need to print off articles because you can read them on your reader. And that particularly for the uh, resource-limited countries and for the student population, an immediate um, benefit. Finally, um, it also gives you um, options for a range of materials and a range of devices. You can use it on your Android, your iPhone, your tablet, and you can refer to it at any given time when you have an opportunity. And I see increasingly my junior staff on a ward reaching out to their iPhone to getting not only information on prescribing, but when they need to be steered or directed towards a particular practice. And I, you see that behavior uh, um, uh, when you work in healthcare. And also that if you have internet access at any given time, the ebook will allow you immediate access to websites and resources at your fingertip. I can go on a lot more, but those are in a sense some of the immediate advantages or what we wanted to create to complement the MOOC in terms of creating this ebook. But I think uh, in your question you ask uh, that we, we, we used um, really high caliber expert faculty who are real experts in their, own, in their own areas. But without being disrespectful for any of them and any of the experts around the world, the ability of the experts to really try to engage with the target audience, the readers of this ebook, was a significant challenge for us. We really were challenged and encouraging our excellent faculty to create material that is not only of good high-level science, but material that is strong on practicality of use in everyday clinical practice, and perhaps not always aimed at the super expert, if that's the right language, in a particular area, but really to provide that learner with material that is simple, valuable, and engaging. And I think that we tried to, to, to ensure that our experts needed to become really innovative and creative educators to really get those messages across. And I think we have been reasonably successful in achieving that. And there's a wonderful quote that came to mind when I was preparing for the thinking around creating this ebook, and it was that technology will never replace great teachers. 
And how often have you heard that about technology? But this phrase also then goes on to say that technology in the hands of those great teachers can be transformational. And that is exactly, in a sense, what we're trying to achieve with this ebook. Yeah, that's a very nice way to articulate your vision uh, in, in the format. I, it, it, the listeners go and register and download and, and get access to the, the ebook. You'll definitely see right away that you've got access to not only the, the, the written word, but links to other information, uh, graphics, videos, multimedia platforms for them to, um, you know, obtain content and information. Exactly, exactly. So uh, the de- getting into the details of the books, I just wanted to, to, to mention to the listeners, it is, we talked about it's really comprehensive, um, and each one of these chapters could really be its own podcast or webinar in and of itself, um, starting with outlining the problem of, of antimicrobial resistance, how to develop stewardship programs, assessing a need. These are just examples. And then getting deeper into the role of each member of the team that is important, including pharmacists and nurses and and all the different clinical settings of which there are specific nuances. And so you've got got these experts that you assembled to, to create this content in that very dynamic and engaging way. So that's why I just think this is such a seminal text. Thank you. So another component is that you also highlight in the text the uh, addressing the need of how stewardship is practiced differently regarding um, depending on what kind of e- um, different economic setting the the practitioner may be in, whether a low or limited resource setting versus a developed country and how even developed countries can learn for lower limited resource settings. And you actually have included some of your success stories, which are with some of your collaborators where you've even published some of this information in, in peer-reviewed journals. So I thought you could highlight for us a little bit about the importance to describe the, the unique differences of these two different settings. Okay, um, thank you. And I, and I think that um, all of us recognize, Ronnie, that AMR is a global problem. And indeed, what is so sad is that the greatest burden perhaps falls on those who are the most vulnerable and the least resourced in the lower and middle income countries. The solutions uh, in relation to stewardship are often created in the developed countries, uh, primarily of the Northern Hemisphere, uh, and, and, and Australia perhaps in the Southern Hemisphere would, would come into that. And whilst they set a very important evidence-based and generic framework for what needs to be done, they perhaps are not necessarily the right ones to meet the needs for those in developed or lower and middle-income countries. And I firmly believe that we need to understand or better understand what solutions work, why they work, in which setting do they work, and are they sustainable for a reasonable time frame. And in a sense, our desire to learn not only from the developed countries, but also from developing countries to share experience and encourage colleagues to actually share that experience and, and, and introduce some science into their implementation is, is one way 
of us as a global community learning. And I do think that it's remarkable that uh, in the developing countries that they're, they're able to achieve ever such a lot with such little resource and facing so many barriers. And sometimes I see certain colleagues in my part of the world, and I suspect also in yours, Mani, that colleagues will go on about the lack of a human or, or financial resource or technological resource. And it, when, it's when you come and understand what people can do in the less resourced and less developed countries, do you actually can find some very innovative solutions that perhaps will inform our own practice and, and bring about efficiencies. To me and the community that I, I, I work with, stewardship is about sharing data and it's about sharing experiences and then adapting and adopting solutions that are not only contextualized for the particular healthcare setting or for a particular geographical setting or a particular resource setting, but also to the cultural differences that we see across our wonderful globe. And I think we really need to understand that. And by sharing data and, and experience, can we do that? You, you will notice that a lot of the work we did in the book, for example, educational activity and resources in India, and more recently um, uh, in Africa, came from um, a deep scientific understanding of what people did, what people valued, what barriers they faced in delivering stewardship. And I can give you perhaps one example because you have highlighted the particular publication in the Journal of Antimicrobial Chemotherapy from our collaboration between the Infection Control Africa Network, so-called ICANN, uh, and BSAC and colleagues, in which we really, in a real-world setting, in Anglophile as well as Francophone Africa, we begin to understand the perception of nurses, many of them, not all of them, who are actually involved in not only in infection control practice but also in antimicrobial stewardship about what they did, what kind of educational resources they used, what educational resources perhaps they would like, and, and how these educational resources were delivered uh, in their healthcare environment. And in a sense, it's really beginning to understand that, and we did something very similar in India. When we began to understand that, it became very clear that uh, while in many of these communities, the traditional model of face-to-face -face learning is still extensively used and valued, that there's an emerging theme that e-learning, such as a MOOC or an e-book, will perhaps complements that traditional thinking and will allow us to bridge, bridge that kind of resource gap. Because the resourcing of getting 100 people around a room and allowing a one-day seminar on stewardship is very resource intensive. If some of that can be done and augmented by e-learning resource, that will become much more cost-effective way of delivering that. And as a consequence of that piece of work, we have now found enough funding to create a bespoke African MOOC uh, that will be much shorter. It will actually address the needs within Africa, for example, how the stewardship component 
is aligned and integrated into the need for better laboratories and better use of laboratories, the need for infection control and hygiene, the need for sanitation. And it's really a MOOC that's going to be created by Africans for Africa and to be implemented within Africa. And we plan to launch that hopefully around July uh, of 2018. So it's really that deep understanding of the challenges that we face across different healthcare communities across the world. We are, in a sense, interested in producing that kind of bespoke, very valuable to a particular population resources, which I think will have a much more sustainable impact. That's a very, very interesting in just how how the global communi- community can, can start to learn from one another and then yet tailor those the, the information and the materials to their own setting by having access to this information. So I wanted that that leads to my next question is really about the decision when you were creating the vision for this text that you made the decision as as you have with the MOOCs to make this a free and open access textbook. Global and, and it's very comprehensive. Uh, so it's a it's a special text that's now freely and openly available across the globe. So I thought if you'd just talk a little bit about why you made that decision. Um, thank you. And, and this may come across as a little bit uh, over-impassioned. Uh, it is because I feel very strongly about this. And, and uh, again, coming back to a quote to the wonderful late Nelson Mandela uh, from South Africa, and he, he gave a quote in which he talked about education being the most powerful weapon that can be used to change the world. And Barack Obama, uh, in a subsequent quote, said something very similar. And I think I believe this to be true. Um, but when you look at the inequity of resources across the populations of our world, I do, at a personal level, find it unacceptable that education, particularly that is applicable and relevant to our global community along the lines of AMR, has to be paid for um, by the recipient of that educational resource. I do find that unacceptable. And the United Nations um, sustainable goal is free education for, for example, for children, and to me, uh, free education for our healthcare community should be part of that United Nations goal. And, and, and I think that to allow this to happen, the educational resource has to be open and it has to be free at the point of access. So to me, it should not matter that if you're a rural nurse working in Zimbabwe in a very challenging world, or if you're working in a highly resource intensive environment as a clinician in a New York intensive care unit, it is your right to get this educational resource that is free at the point of access and of high quality, regardless of where you are. And it's taken the communities that have helped us create this quite some time, but I'm really pleased to say that they have been generous with their resource as as well as with their time. And I really need need here to highlight um, the work that BSAC has collaborated with yourselves in SIDRAP, who I believe are are very like-minded people, so we're delighted to work with you, and also to the uh, European uh, ECMID study group called SCAP, and, and, and we really brought this 
inspired of collaboration together. But I think we also um, reflected on the value uh, of our industrial, industrial and commercial partners. And they are dedicated to AMR. We have commercial partners working in the vaccine industry, in the anti-infective industry, and increasingly the rapidly evolving diagnostics industry. And I think it's when you have a mature, open, transparent conversation with our commercial partners, um, they have been very supportive of many of the goals that I have just articulated. And this ebook not only has been created with the help of the commercial partners, and there is no promotional material in any of that, but also with other NGOs and charitable organizations. So it's using the range of people to create the resource that is required to not only develop, but also sustain this resource is very important, and I'm grateful for all of those. And I think that the only other thing I need to say is that, um, which in a sense what you're getting at, is that we use a lot of audiovisual material that can be truly engaging, and and I, I think it's, it's, it's really important. But what is what I've seen, and I'm sure you have seen, is there's so much good quality audiovisual material lying there on various websites across the world that are barely used. And I think that this book has harnessed good, high-quality material, scientifically sound, transparent, and non-commercial material that we have used to bring it all together so that the world can use them and get great benefit, which I suspect was the intention of the people who created them, and this is one vehicle of trying to achieve that. What we'd Absolutely. like to do perhaps, what, what, I, what I'd like to do in the future is something maybe I'll talk about at the end, is how do we use this resource and other resources, the news resources which you are particularly good at, that, that is coming in to create a kind of platform that is integrated, that communicates with each other, so that if you're a busy healthcare professional anywhere in the world, you have a kind of one-stop shop that will direct you to the range of activities in the AMR world. And that is needs to be free at the point of access. We cannot tolerate the scenario in which you have to pay a subscription to get onto a particular professional group's website uh, for you to be able to access. I do not believe that, that is the way forward. It's very well said. I mean, two things is is that the, the text itself, as, as you've aggregated information that was available into the text itself, as well as the, the other original content, is very valuable. It's just the ability to aggregate the information into one place. And secondly is creating the free tool by engaging with other groups, including NGOs and industry consortia and partners as well. Yes. Uh, yes. And so on that topic of engagement, I want to take you to the final chapter of the text, which <laughs> is titled Informing and Influencing Stewardship, Politicians, and the Media. This is a very important topic and one that we as scientists need to become uh, maybe a little bit better at 
or uh, a little bit more forthright in our engagement with our politicians and the media <laughs> outside of our own scientific community. So I thought that's a very nice way to to end on uh, your thoughts on that and then maybe give us a little bit of next steps. Okay. Well, thank you for that. And, and I think you're right. I, I, the, the scientific community is a very bright community and a very um, uh, intelligent and innovative community. But perhaps what it doesn't do sometimes is shout um, loudly enough, but more importantly, shout uh, in the areas that, that matter most. And in a sense, I think that what we have tried to do is that if you really want to bring about change, you have to bring about and use all the levers for change. The public, the media, and politicians are key players here, uh, as you will appreciate. And, and, and we have thought long and hard, and, and if we really want to achieve all the various components of stewardships, I think we need to understand um, the role of the public, the media, and the politicians, and share some of their experiences as well as our experiences with them. And we believe this is one of the more unique components of this book. I have gone through most books and resources available around stewardship. I've yet to find anything significant in the area of public, media, and political engagement. And we're very pleased to have a colleague, Michael, Morn, uh, Michael Corley, uh, who works within BSAC with us, who came from a skill set and a background that was aligned to that, and I believe has written a wonderful chapter which I hope that colleagues will find um, very interesting. In relation to um, what next, um, Marnie, um, I think that um, first I would like to thank each and every person who've been, in, who've been involved in the book. Uh, they have been wonderful to work with, from the authors to the editors to the BSAC team, to all our collaborators, SIDRAP yes. as well as SCAP particularly, and also to the technological team that really allowed to bring our wonderful vision to fruition in such an engaging manner. And a gentleman called Neil Watson was particularly wonderful in allowing that to happen. Without this deteriorating into a Gwyneth Paltrow uh, Hollywood uh, Oscar speech, you ask me perhaps what next? And I think uh, jokingly I would say I need a very long lie down in a deep and dark room to, to rest from this process. But I think that um, if I was looking for a challenge in the future, how about looking at stewardship in the community setting and the animal prescribing setting? Remember, more antimicrobials are prescribed in those settings than there are prescribed in the very relatively small sector of hospitals where a large amount of the stewardship material uh, is being aimed at. And I think we really, really need the community of educators and experts in this area to come together and for our multi-stakeholders of, of, of people across the community who support the funding of this uh, to make us that happen. But I need people to come around the table to want to make this happen. Because to me, I believe that resources in our educational world go an awful long way compared to many other resources in many other parts of the world. So I would like to use this forum to encourage, cajole uh, them to come and talk with us and to the collaborators that we have produced to take our vision forward collectively. Well, Professor Nathwani, I want to congratulate you on the e-book. 
titled Antimicrobial Stewardship from Principles to Practice. And for our listeners, it's available on the BSAC homepage at www.bsac.org.uk where you can register and download your free copy. And I know the, the, uh, Professor Nathwani would greatly like to have your feedback as well for the for the ebook. And uh, we also have it available at our SIDRAP website as well. So thank you, Professor Nathwani. Appreciate your thank time. Thank you very much, Mani. Thank you, and and have a have a great a morning for you, afternoon for me. You as well. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye.